Hello there, founders. My name is Kamala Brown Washington, and I'm a nonprofit founder as well as the CEO of the Profitable Blueprint and Million Dollar CEO Mastermind. And I'm on a mission to help nonprofit founders with online programs just like you all over the world grow your business in a way that's profitable and scalable. I'm having candid and transparent conversations about what it really takes to scale your online business to millions of dollars per year without self-funding or being solely dependent upon grants. Join me to learn the CEO decisions I've had to make, the biggest failures I've had to overcome, and the strategic wisdom that emerged every step of the way. I'm humbled and I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share it all with you right here on Level Up with Kamala, the podcast designed for nonprofit founders with online programs. Let's level up together. Welcome to Level Up with Kamala. On each episode, I focus on one core strategy so you can gain a solid understanding of what's required to strategize, market, and secure paying clients for your online program. So here's a level up moment. Nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. Therefore, your business sustainability relies on generating consistent monthly revenue you want to you know, have steady income that you can count on. You want profitability in your programs and a reliable business foundation that's sustainable. Level Up with Kamala is the place where you're going to tune in during your morning commute, your afternoon break, or during the weekend, you know, during your wind down time, just to hear some business strategies from my organization, some industry leaders and rising stars sharing their journey on how they've been able to level up their online business model while breaking through the six to seven figure mark. We're going to dive deep and I mean deep behind the scenes so you can see some transparent view of what's required to be at the top of your game while servicing your clients on the World Wide Web. I am your host, Kamala Brown Washington, as well as your business coach. And if you're new to me, here's a little bit about me. I'm a nonprofit founder. I generate generally between two and four million in annual revenue without self-funding, without grants. I have global programs in Kenya, Haiti, Brazil, Chile, and Honduras. I'm an adjunct college professor and an online entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to show other nonprofit founders with online programs just like you how to build a profitable and scalable business model. I show everyday solopreneurs my proven strategies to monetize their expertise with a signature program that, you know, starts anywhere from maybe, you know, five hundred, a thousand dollars for, you know, their their enrollment. And they can start to build a six-figure business online. I help hundreds of clients start, grow, and scale their businesses so that they can also continue generating anywhere from probably $2,000 to about $10,000 a month. And that's within a 12-month time frame using my proven system called the Profitable Blueprint. And the beauty is, this is, this is the beauty. The beauty is that our clients receive a ROI within 90 days of enrolling because my team and I are quick to help them launch and start securing clients. Forbes magazine invited me to join their coaching council. I'm a former uh, consultant to United Way, Goodwill, AARP and Starbucks Foundations, and I'm humbled and I'm honored to be an answer to you as I share transparent and small digestible strategies that will have you saying, 
wait, what? Like, what? <laughs> I want to engage and hear from you. I'll host periodic live interaction through live Q&As that I might host. This is outside of the podcast and really give listeners and my followers a chance to engage with me so I can give them direct coaching support in real time. Okay. I also reserve time on my calendar weekly for strategy calls. That's right. I want to hop on a call with you to learn how the profitable blueprint or the million dollar CEO mastermind will help to increase your profit margins. So listen to each episode to learn how you can get on my calendar and possibly be on the next episode of Level Up with Kamala. Prayerfully, this will be a reciprocal relationship. (laughs) I need you to subscribe, rate, review this show. I'll be releasing episodes weekly. And secondly, if you find that my content is beneficial and insightful, I bet you probably know other nonprofit founders who will benefit from the content as well. So it's it's meant to really create impact throughout the world. If you blog, if you log into your social media accounts, I encourage you to share this podcast with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. Even if you just share it with one person through a text message, I will be forever grateful. Hear me clearly. Growing a business with consistent paying clients isn't complicated. All you have to do is tune in each week to learn profitable strategies and systems. Again, Be sure to subscribe and let's level up together. On this episode, I am going through my email bag, okay? (laughs) I received, you know, a couple of questions and I thought, why don't I just answer these questions online so everyone can benefit from the knowledge? So here's the first question. What are the limited beliefs that might keep me from generating revenue? So I think ultimately is just doubting yourself. You know, there's this misconception that I say all the time that it's still a business, you know, and despite what society might perceive nonprofit to really um, be or how nonprofit organizations or business models or programs should really um, be conducted, you're still a business. And so there's some limited beliefs because there's a lot of coaches out there that people seem to think, well, that strategy works for them or that strategy works for that particular business model or you know that worked for that type of you know product or or service but that's not going to work for me. So I don't want you to have doubt and it's going to take time. You know at some point in everyone's career they're going to doubt and really question is this what they should be doing are they the best person to do whatever it is that they're doing are they qualified to do whatever it is that they're doing, but that's just your fear talking. It's just your fear. And many times we're afraid to step outside of our comfort zone, but that's where the growth is. The growth is in your discomfort, not in your comfort, in your discomfort. So, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, it's going to be painful. (laughs) you're going to have to make some sacrifices. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable, but it will be rewarding and it will be beneficial. So I encourage you to stay focused on what your goal is, on what your vision is and surround yourself around people who are doing better who are smarter, who can keep you encouraged, and who can keep you focused on your goals. 
you know, whether it's belief or unbelief, either way, it's all power of the mind. So I want you to try to um, focus on the positive, focus on the good, and just have faith in and believe. Surround yourself with other coaches and mentors and sponsors and, and, and business owners that are where you want to be because they can help you stay encouraged. You don't know what you don't know, and they can make sure that you are using your efforts as productive as possible. Okay. Um, another question is, what are the benefits of transitioning my program online? Okay. So needless to say, you don't want to limit the opportunities that you're going to have for growth. We never know if or when the world's ever going to shut down again. Now, prayerfully, this pandemic was a once in a, you know, lifetime situation, but we never know. And you want to be able to prepare yourself for that and make sure that you can still survive, that your business doesn't suffer. So you really have to be able to position yourself either with an online program or some type of a hybrid so that you can continue to create impact. So the benefits of that would be low operating costs. You know, when you transition to an online space, you know, you don't have the same level of overhead. Your customers or your clients will have 24 seven access to whatever content or curriculum or training that you're offering. Hopefully you'll have some type of a container to where they have access to that. <clears throat> you will have endless expansion of territory because once you create an online presence, you, you like instantly are national, international, global, like it's just, it's instant because You've cast a much wider net to create more impact and transformation. You also create a WFA, a work from anywhere type lifestyle. Um, let's see. Again, it's quarantine proof. You can reduce your overhead cost. You can drive growth. Um your ability to really refine and scale your program will help you to drive more sustainability and you can improve collaboration either within or even across multi-functions. Is that not enough? Uh, if you need more? Okay, let's see. What more? <laughs> you will, um, it's easier to promote you can increase your customer retention rate. Uh, it's easier to, um, it's easier and faster to have your integration of different platforms and different systems. You probably can improve or increase a better sense of security for your consumers or for your customers. And you definitely are going to reduce human resource needs. You know, when you're online, I mean, you, just, you, you don't need the same level of personnel and staff as if you had a traditional brick and mortar. Okay. Hopefully that, that helps. I like, like I was kind of rambling, but <laughs> hopefully that, that helps. How do I know when it's time to increase my rate? Okay. So when it comes to increasing your rate, there's a couple of key factors. One, you can judge by demand. If it's really easy for you to convert new customers to your program, like, like clockwork, <laughs> like if, if your conversions are really becoming like super easy, it's time to increase your rate because they're understanding the value that you're offering and they're ready to invest. And so 
your rate's probably low if it's if it's too easy. <laughs> you know, you know, like when you're trying to negotiate a deal and then they ask you, okay, well, how much do you charge? And you give them a price and they say, okay. And you're like, well, wait, <laughs> they agree like way too fast. Maybe I should charge more. <laughs> so it, it's, it's the same, it's the same scenario. Um, if you find that your competition is significantly charging more than you, you want to increase your rates. If you have tested your proven process and you know you have it on rinse and repeat to where you can get that same result every single time with every single you know customer or client, it's time to increase your rate because now your, your value has increased. You have a much better track record. You have better documentation. You have better receipts. You have better testimonials. So that's that's valuable. And that would warrant a rate increase. If the cost of doing business has increased, that's another reason to increase your rates. And as long as you can provide a premium product, service, an experience, like a superb client experience, like across the board from onboarding to them exiting your program, hands down, definitely want to increase your rate. So I hope that that helps. Let's see. We kind of touched on, on this, but this person wrote, sometimes I feel like an imposter how do I overcome imposter syndrome? So limiting beliefs, which is what we we're talking about before, which is the same thing as imposter syndrome, they're typically caused by a number of factors, um, but they stem from your brain's desire to protect you from pain, basically pain from the future. And it's fear. It boils down to fear. Either you have the fear that something's going to happen or something has already happened in the past that you fear happening again. There's self-doubt, there's insecurity, there's you know fear of what people are going to say when you really put yourself out there, when you put your business, whether it's personal or quote unquote business, you know, there's a certain level of vulnerability when you go online and you start to build connection and and um, tell your story and allow your audience to resonate with you, there's a certain of certain level of vul vulnerability that we have to experience because we want our people, our tribe, our Olympian, our our most valuable customers. We want them to see our authentic, true self. And that's scary. And so now we have made this claim that we can solve this problem, that we have the answer to whatever that situation might be. And so then we figure, well, who am I to call myself an expert? Who am I to, to say that I'm authority in this particular subject matter? We go through like this, this head game and we all do it. We all do it. But let me tell you, there's nothing like having a paying client to give you the confidence to know that you can do what you say you're going to do. And when they have a superb experience and when they can give their testimony of how exciting it was to work with you or how you transform their life or, or how their life will never be the same since they engage with you or whatever that happens to be like, those are great ego boosters, not to give you the big head and feel conceited, but just to give you the confidence to know if I can do it for this person, I can do it for another person. Now, if I can do it for that person, I can do it for this person and so forth and so on. So eventually that imposter syndrome will deflate based on the results 
that you're able to accomplish for your clients. Understand when we lack the courage to push past our limitations, we continue to live on the, on the level of what we believe. Okay. I'll say that again. When we lack the courage to push past our limitations, we continue to live on the level of what we believe. It's important that you associate yourself with people who are doing great things. You know, association brings assimilation. You want to align yourself with people who think like you, who work like you, who have the same ethics and value and integrity. And that also will help boost your confidence and deflate that imposter syndrome. Okay. So just really be intentional and strategic. Remember, mind over matter, mind over matter. You wouldn't have this vision, this gift, this idea, this talent, or this experience if it wasn't for a reason. So stand in your truth, recognize the zone of genius that you have and soar with your superhero power. There's an audience for you. They will know, like, and trust you. At that point, they will start to invest. And when they invest, that's your, that's your opportunity to prove all the naysayers. And they're going to talk. They're going to say things about you, like out here on these social media streets, that's just the way it operates, okay? When you put yourself out there, you have to develop a little thicker layer of skin because everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone. But you know who you are. You know what you do. You know what you stand for. And that's that should be your, your focal point, okay? Next question is, I was on one of your webinars where you talked about when you dissolved your board. <laughs> yeah. I was on one of your webinars where you talked about dissolving your board because they weren't doing anything. I'm thinking of dissolving my board and starting fresh. How do I do that? Okay. Let me just qualify <laughs> and clarify what the situation is. Years ago, when I transitioned from having like a mobile makeover service, and then I moved into a donated space that, you know, with a church, a church donated um, about 6,000 square feet of space to me. I didn't want to move into this, to the space without support. And I knew from past years that the current board that I was working with at the time was not productive. They brought nothing to the table. And so I didn't want to start this new relationship because it, it was a very affluent church. It was a non-denominational, predominantly white um, church. And I didn't want to be like that black chick who moves, you know, her business into this facility and, and create this route, this relationship or partnership with this organization. And then I didn't have support. And so I did, I dissolved my board except for two members and I re rebuilt it like quick, quickly, because I think I moved in in July of 2013, and there was an open house plan for October. So I quickly had to recruit new board members and then quickly generate some funds. So that's what I did. I recruited uh, three new members and was able to qualify for a grant, a $15,000 grant with Home Depot to do the renovations. It wasn't cash. It was all gift cards. And the board raised about 35,000 in cash. So that gave me a little bit of operating capital. <clears throat> and so 
I did it quickly. I don't recommend it. I mean, I, I probably would need, obviously I need more information about your program, your board, your circumstance, but I would not recommend just dissolving my board outright and then starting from scratch. I probably, probably if I could do it over again, maintain the, the current board, but just start recruiting new members. So by time, either um, old members start dropping off because their term has expired and we just decide not to vote them back in. Or even if we do, it has, it has happened where we've asked um, some board members to step down and we terminated them. At least I still had a board. And what I'm getting to is when I dissolved my board, I was, I was out of compliance. You know, legally you have to have, you have to maintain three board members a minimum of three board members at all times. And so during that time, there was a short period of time, but there was a period of time I had only two board members. And so um, it was scary, you know, because I was, I was under the gun and I had to make some really quick moves, but I did it. Yeah, I did it. I don't recommend it. If that's what you feel that you need to do, then what I would do or say is have a board meeting and let your board know that you are transitioning your organization in a different direction. And so you are choosing to dissolve the board at this point. Once you determine what that direction is, you may contact them and see if, you know, they're willing to reapply to be on your board. But that's just like a nice way of like ending it. You don't want to burn the bridges because you just never know who they know or what they can do. But just to let them know that you are transitioning in a different direction. And once you figure that out, you'll let them know. And if that's some, if that new direction is something that they're interested in, then they can, you know, apply to have a seat on the board. It's pretty much what I did. <laughs> so I wasn't mean or spiteful or get the heck off the board. Like I was, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do that, but I did let them know that I was transitioning in a different direction because of this new partnership with, you know, the church. And so I didn't know where, you know, the organization was going to go, how I was going to pivot, how I was going to change, but I knew that something had to change. And so I just kind of wanted to move in, get my feet wet, you know, really work on establishing this relationship. And then once I determined what my new business model was, I would let them know. And I did let them know. I just didn't give them an opportunity to reapply. So that's what I did. Not always the right thing to do, but it worked. <laughs> it definitely worked because I love my board now. Also, think about if it's really the board or is it you? And I'm not saying is it you to be spiteful. What I am saying is your board is only going to be as productive and as active as they either are given direction or they are giving a business model to buy into. If your thoughts and your ideas and your decisions are kind of all over the place and they're not able to really buy into what it is that you are doing, that's probably why they're not as active or willing to bring relationships and resources to the table. When you are not decisive and intentional about what you want and what your program is going to do goes back to your program promise. If you can't defini de definitively share who your audience is, what problem do you solve, how you plan to solve it, exactly what resources that you need to be more effective. You know, if you can't be very, very intentional and decisive, 
they're probably thinking you're kind of willy willy nilly. You're still figuring things out, and like we're gonna we're gonna stay around with you, but you know we're trying to ride the wave, but we're not trying to drown with you. <laughs> so that's why I want you to really take a close look at your situation. And is it really them or is it you? Are you not giving them proper guidance? Are you not leading your board? Or are you trying to manage your board? Because at the end of the day, like, look, we all, we all grown. Like we're not trying to be managed, but you can lead. And when you can lead with being decisive and being intentional, giving them enough information to where they can still take ownership and take that ball and run with it while you go do your visionary stuff. And then your board's over here doing like the policy procedures, partnership type stuff, whatever that happens to be or how you want to divide it. Okay. Prayerfully, you have an independent president. Like you might be the president or the chair of your board and that's perfectly legal and fine, but it's better if you have an independent board. So if you have a separate board chair or a board president, it's very important that the two of you have a meeting of the minds, that the two of you are really aligned and they buy into your vision and your mission. You let them know, this is what I want. I am here and I want to be there in two years, right? It's like a GPS. So you're putting in your destination into the GPS. I am here. And in whatever time frame, let's say they have a two-year term, you want to be there at that destination. Then let them figure that out. That's, that's their job. You have a program to run, you have clients to, to secure, and you have clients to serve. Give them enough information for what they need to do, and then they can make decisions for how they're going to get you there. What resources are they going to pull together collectively to help you? But it's not for you to sit there and micromanage them. That's never going to be a fruitful relationship. Okay, so just like take a step back, just woosah a little bit, just <laughs> step back and really think about is it them or is it me? Okay, before you make any drastic, drastic decisions. Now, the question is, what are the different types of online services? Okay, great, great, great question. Okay, so ideally, there's four different types of online services. The, the low end is what's called a DIY, do-it-yourself. And those are your typical digital courses or digital training. So your client will pay a low ticket price, I don't know, $47, $37, $97, like something really low. It's like, it's, it's a no-brainer type decision, okay? They invest in that. And then they teach themselves. So you have whatever set up, video, workbook, you know, whatever it is that they're going to download. You give whatever instruction, probably not personally. Again, it's probably just a video. And you're instructing them through the video, but there's no community. There's no um, weekly live Q&A. There's no high touch experience whatsoever. It's strictly DIY. You present it, they buy it, no sales calls, either they're gonna pay it or they're not gonna pay it. And then they're on their own. So that's the lowest, DIY is a digital course. The second level is a one-on-one. -on -one. Typically that's like a, a consultant, a therapist, a counselor, tutor, et cetera. Coach could be, right? That's a one-on-one. -on -one. It's you and them. So you're, you're exchanging time for money. At that level, um, you're probably charging maybe, 
don't know, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for maybe four to eight weeks of service. Okay. The next level is a group container that's called DWY done with you. You are serving a group of clients at one time collectively. There's automation. There's an onboarding process. There should be some type of coaching, whether it's monthly, every two weeks, every week, however you want to set that up. There's community. There's a certain level of touches for or with you or any coaches that you might hire or counselors or again, whatever that role or that program, you know, consists of, but it's one of you and many clients that are being served at the same time. Okay. That's a higher ticket price that can be anywhere from maybe $2,000 to seven or eight, 10,000, 15,000. Like it, it, it just, it just goes on based on the value and based on the level of sophistication for the problem that you're solving. Very, 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 very important. If you're teaching little five-year-old, three-year-old kids how to tie a shoe, you're not charging them $5,000 for that program. You know, so when you're dealing with a very surface entry level problem, then you need to charge a surface entry level price. The more sophisticated the problem, the more sophisticated the price. Okay. The next level is what's called DFY. That's an agency done for you. So your clients pay X number of dollars and and you and your team take on the responsibility of doing everything for them. And on a particular date and time, you're going to give them a deliverable. That can be anywhere from 10, 20, 30, 50, like it, it sky's the limit, you know, again, based on the level of sophistication for, of, of the problem that, that you're solving. So the four types are digital one-on-one, group and an agency. Those are the four different containers. I know you reference an online service, but we call them containers. That's the type of container. Now the question, I can't afford to pay for ads. So how do I convert my followers to paying clients? Excellent question. Um, too much detail that I can <laughs> for me to go into. Um, on this podcast, it's it's a lot of elements. I will say that we have a proven framework that can help you do that. But a short answer is you're going to convert them, one, by really clarifying your program promise, your messaging, the way that you can effectively communicate and articulate the problem that you're going to solve for your audience based on your level of authority and expertise, okay? So you really need to nail your program promise and be very, very specific about the audience that you're going to serve in that program. You need to make sure that they qualify for your program. There should be some type of a qualification process, whether it's an application or an interview or a phone screening, there should be some type of process to make sure that you have attracted the right audience, the right customer, and that you have repelled someone who is not going to be a match. They're not going to show up. They're not going to do the work. They're not going to pay the price. They're not going to keep up with their monthly payments. They're not going to be distracted from whatever it is that you need them to do to get that end result. Okay. And ideally you want to have a documented process, which is your intellectual property, your own documented system and method and strategy for solving that particular problem. 
If they can Google the answer to that problem, then they, they really don't need you and your program. So your intellectual property is what's going to make you unique and, and add more value to your program than your competition or from anyone else. What is your secret sauce? You know? So if, you know, you make the bomb pound cake and they want to hire you to bake the pound cake. Well, what makes your pound cakes different from Sarah Lee's pound cake or from, you know, I don't know if cheese Cake Factory makes a pound cake, but you know, from you know, Cheesecake Factory or like anyone else that's really known for their desserts. What makes your pound cake so special? Girlfriend of mine, very, 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 very close girlfriend of mine over Christmas made me about four pound cakes. And so I said, I want like a cream cheese pound cake. And she says, Well, I don't make cream cheese pound cake, but I do make a sour cream pound cake. And I said, is it sweet or is it bitter or sour? <laughs> and she says, girl, no, it's, it's good. It's sweet. And I said, okay, you say so. I'll, I'll trust you. Ordered four of them. Oh my God, it was so good. But I've never heard, it was so good just thinking about it, but I've never heard of putting sour cream in a pound cake. And it was truly sweet it was delicious it was it was firm like the edges were like just perfectly crisp and golden oh my god they're just it was absolutely delicious but maybe that's her intellectual property that's her secret recipe that's that's her secret sauce like that's her process her method her strategy her framework like you know whatever it is that you want to call it that's what sets her apart and makes her different. So you need to determine what's going to set you apart, your program apart, and make your program different. Okay? That's your intellectual property. And then finally, another aspect of being able to secure um, or convert paying clients is really understanding how to read your KPIs. Your KPI stands for um, key performance indicators. And basically it's your numbers, your data, your metrics. You need to always keep track of your KPIs so you'll know how to tweak, how to optimize, what to do, what not to do, what to change, what to pivot, what to refine, et cetera. Okay. So in essence, those are off the top of my head, the four elements that's really required to help you convert your followers into paying client. You really need to like really nail and articulate your program promise, um, double down and, and clarify who your specific niche audience is and build connection with them. Uh, identify and address the problem that you can serve with your expertise and your intellectual property, and then keep track of your KPIs. Okay, let's see. Okay, I have two more. Uh, <laughs> why are you against grants? I'm not against grants. Okay, I'm not against grants. But it's important for you to understand how and why grants are available and created. Grants are not used to be your bailout. Grants are not designed to be your, your business model. Grants are designed to be a, a supplement to your income and your revenue. You have to have a business model in place that's already generating revenue and, and that's giving you a certain level of sustainability. But life happens. Things come up. And when things come up and that and, and those things might impact your ability to make ends meet every single month, every single quarter, every single year. And so when things happen, that's when grants come in. That's when a fundraiser will be beneficial. So I'm not against grants, but I just I just want, you know, nonprofits particularly founders 
and grassroots on top of that to understand that you don't just create a nonprofit organization and just figure, oh, I'll just start writing grants. That's how I'm going to pay myself a salary. I'll just go write a grant. That's how I'm going to get um, my program funded. No, you need to create a business model because you are a business. On every grant application, there's a question. If you are not funded, will your program be able to continue? Because if not, you're not going to get funded. They're not going to throw money at a program that's not sustainable. They're not going to throw money when there's no business model in place. They're not going to throw money when there's no strategy, there's no system. There's not. So it's not that I'm against grants. I just understand there's a there's a time and a season for grants. And it's important for you to understand the season of business that you are in at any particular time and understand when is it to your advantage to apply for a grant? And when do you just need to really dig in your heels, stay laser focused and build out this business model and start generating revenue? Because you have to have a proven system so you can get the outcomes. You're not going to qualify for the grant if you don't have documented outcomes. So it's a matter of first things first. I promise you, I'm not against grants. That's the benefit of having a nonprofit is that there's so many diverse streams of income and revenue, but they're all strategized and they're very um, intentional. And you have to understand, again, the season of business that you are in and when it's to your advantage to benefit from either one of the different diverse resources. Okay. First things first, build your business model. That's the first thing you need to do. Um, last question. When is your CEO circle retreat? Oh, great. And how do I register? So our CEO circle takes place in October and we haven't confirmed the dates for this year. We're looking at October 6th through the 8th, but it's subject to change. It will be somewhere around the first or second weekend of October. We're trying, that might be the second weekend, but either way, early, early, early October. <laughs> um, if you pencil in, don't use ink, but if you pencil in, October 6th through the 8th, it will be somewhere around there. And to register, you want to go to my website, KamalaBrownWashington.com. That's K-A-M-I-L-A, brown, like the color, Washington, like the city, dot com slash CEO. KamalaBrownWashington.com slash CEO. It's a three-day, and just for those who don't know, it's a three-day in-person leadership conference. It's very interactive. We have fun. We have day of activity. We we strategize. You literally walk away with a strategic plan for your organization. And it varies each year. Sometimes we focus on scaling. Sometimes we focus on establishing your your business credit and, and really like fine tuning your business model. It's, it's fun. It's, it's engaging. We do outings like, you know, we, it's just fun. It's great. It's just great just to engage with my audience. And that connection in person is totally different from being able to connect online, you know, virtually. So we have to, we have a lot of fun. That's why I'm smiling. We have, we have a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, this year, um, we're looking to host it in a mansion and we're looking to establish a, an outing. So it might be to a resort. That's what we're looking at now is some resorts. So everyone can do whatever they enjoy doing. You might be playing golf. You might be at the small, at the spa, you might be playing tennis, you know, you just might network with, you know, the other, the other members use that as an opportunity to network with the other attendees. But 
everything that we do focuses around your ability to scale. So I break down the word scale um, into like S is your strategic vision, C is cash flow, A is alignment with your team, L is leadership, and E is execution. So all of our interactive engagement, conversation, activities, everything focused around those five pillars and those five um, level of content for your program. Scale, strategic vision, cash flow, alliance with your team, leadership, and execution. So that is all that I have in my email bag. (laughs) If you have a question, I welcome to be an answer. If you would like your question answered on a podcast or on my YouTube video, because I'm recording this there as well, please go to CamelaBrownWashington.com slash podcast. CamelaBrownWashington.com slash podcast. And I'll have all of the links inside of um, the description but when you get to this site you're going to scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the inserts where you can just you know pop in your question your name email address and whatever question that you want answered if you have found value in what i shared today i know this format is a little different from what i normally do perfectly fine. I'm going to switch it up every now and then. So no one gets comfortable keeping everybody on their toes. Okay. So I welcome the opportunity to help you to dig a little bit deeper. If you want to book a strategy call with me, please go to my site, camelabrownwashington.com and click on apply. Uh, you'll fill out a brief application and um, if we feel that we can really help you with your program and get you to that six figure level or seven with our mastermind, then we're going to schedule a uh, strategy call with you. Okay. So go to CamelaBrownWashington.com again. I'll put everything into the description, but I welcome the opportunity to hop on a, on a call with you and learn more about what you're doing and how you plan to change the world with your vision and with your level of expertise and see if we can be more effective in helping you to monetize your expertise. Okay. You have an awesome day and a super fantastic week. And I'll look to talk to you and engage with you on the next episode of Level Up with Kamala. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found value in my content. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast. And if you want to learn more about how to turn your online program into a six or seven figure business, join me in my free masterclass. Please visit KamalaBrownWashington.com. That's K-A-M-I-L-A BrownWashington.com. I'll share exactly how I was able to generate millions in revenue with my nonprofit program. And I look forward to hanging out with you next time on Level Up with Kamala, the podcast for nonprofit founders with an online program.